This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Welcome into the Local Angle Week 3 Recap. A lot to get into. John Jastrzemski from New York, New York. We'll get you caught up on everything going on with those two teams. An ugly loss for the Giants on Thursday night. And Zach Wilson strikes again for the Jets. Then you'll hear from Jason Goff from the Full Go in Chicago. He'll get you caught up on a crazy week for Justin Fields and that Bears organization. Absolutely crazy stuff going on in Chicago right now. And then you'll hear from the guys from the Philly Special, Ben Solak and Shiel Kapadia. They'll get you ready for Monday Night Football as the Eagles, of course, will take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coming up next, though, James White, three-time Super Bowl champ, will join me to recap the Pats and the Jets. Joining us now is not one, not two, but three-time Super Bowl champ James White. James, how are you, man? We sweated this one out. Yeah, I'm doing well. How about yourself? But uh, they definitely sweated this one out. I mean, it's kind of been like that the the last two times, at least, they've they played the Jets. It's been a a tough game, not a lot of scoring, you know, solid defense on both sides, and it comes down to literally the last possession of the game. So that's just how it's been the last couple of times. Yeah, I'm with you, man. And I'm just, after this game, I'm relieved that they won because they almost completed the Hail Mary, which for a second there, I'm like, oh my, are they really going to actually pull this off? Like, if you think about bad Patriots losses, not that you had many when you were playing, James, but if you think about bad Patriots losses, this would have sparked a lot of dark question marks going forward for the organization. Like they're 0-3, they got to play Dallas. I'm just glad they avoided that. And I'm obviously happy, right? You take the win and you run with it. But one of the things that sticks out to me is just this offense, it just, it doesn't feel right right now, right? So for a second there, I'm happy after the game because you end up winning. But we start to think about it the first couple of weeks. It feels like they're going backwards each week, right? So the first week it was, oh, hey, they had some bad turnovers, but they were moving the football. They had some success, and it looks like they have a real NFL offense, unlike 2022. And then week two, they still had the careless turnovers, but they weren't as productive. In this game today, and I know that David Andrews after the game and a couple of the guys were saying, hey, we just can't turn the ball over. That was an emphasis this week. But they didn't really do much on offense that made you feel optimistic as we try to look at a team that's trying to compete for a playoff spot this year. So I came away from this game 
really concerned about the offense once again. I just I feel like they're not getting better. Yeah, definitely a little concerning, but it's always good to make those corrections with a win rather than a loss. Most definitely, I think I thought they played decently in the first half and the second half. Obviously, had the one field goal, then it was just punt, 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 punt every single time. Which they're they're going up against a talented defense, so they're pretty good on every single level. A good defensive line. I thought the offensive line thought it did a decent job of blocking in the passing game. I thought it did a pretty decent job blocking in the run game. I think the running game was really you know with really closed out this game in a sense of which really gave the Patriots the edge. The Jets couldn't really run the football besides maybe that that one drive, that one long drive they had. They had a few, you know, good runs in there. But I thought Zeke had a good, you know, kind of introduction. This, his first big game as a Patriot, you can see he still has, you know, some legs, some some juice in him to help give his offensive spark. I thought Mondre ran hard as well. And I thought Mac missed a couple of, you know, deep shots. They had a couple of those slot phases they ran. You know, one to Pop Douglas – where he was kind of laid on it. I know he did like a little inside release. It was actually two to Pop Douglas. One, he did an inside release on a fade, which you don't typically, you know, want to do, but he had a step on the defender. Mac was a little late on that one. And the two to Juju, they were just kind of not on the same page. The one on third down when the Jets got the ball back to potentially, you know, get the ball back. But yeah, the passing game was a little, you know, hit or miss. It was raining. It's tough to throw the ball in the rain, but I mean, Zach Wilson was whipping the ball around, you know, towards that back half of the game. So they definitely have to be better throwing the football. Yeah, well, and you talk about Juju in particular, because we can get to Ramondre and Zeke, as you mentioned there, too. The thing to me about Juju is he came into today fifth on the team in passing yards (laughs) behind Devontae Parker and Douglas. And Douglas was benched in week two after the fumble (laughs) and Parker didn't play in week one. Today, both those guys pass him in receiving yards this season as did Pharaoh Brown, a guy that I'm sure a lot of Patriots fans after that touchdown was like, wait, who, who was that? Who, who was Pharaoh Brown? I, he had, and That yeah, was a nice play. I thought that a couple of, yeah. what were you going to say? Yeah, I, I didn't know he was <laughs> hardly on the team as well. But hey, he had, he, had a, he had a big day today, though. He had a couple of nice catching runs. Like I said, it's always good to kind of get those guys in the mix. I mean, that's why the play works so effectively. You put a guy like that who's the third tight end, you're expecting him to, to block and something like that. So, not as many eyes on him. So great play call by Bill O'Brien, you know, right. kind of selling the block, getting him up the seam. You know, they completely drive him. It's a huge play in the game. I thought I thought Bill O'Brien did a you know pretty good job calling this football game, trying to mix things in there. Like I said, I thought the running game really gave them the little bit of the edge that they had today. Like I said, Zeke performed well. He was running hard, running through tackles. And like I said, they made, they made enough plays to win the football game. Second half offensively, they got to be so much better. They could have they easily won this game you know, by two or three scores. I know they missed, you know, two field goals, rookie kicker. You know, you yeah. give him a break on that. He, he's talented. I, I like the kid watching him at Maryland. He, he makes some, some big kicks. He has a strong leg. He'll continue to get better than that, you know, playing in those elements. So, like I said, it's definitely better to, like I said, <laughs> always make those corrections in a win. But there's still so much room for improvement. And next week is going to be a great challenge, obviously, against, a, you know, the best defense in the league right now, the, the pressure that they can create. Now, both in the run game, pass game, it's going to be a challenge for sure. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to the Dallas game after what we saw today from the Patriots offense. And I do feel like in some sense, and we can get to the defense that has been tremendous for this team. And really, I feel like I hope you don't waste this defense because it's a really, really good defense. But just circling back to Juju, he had one catch today for five yards. And as you mentioned, it was weird that on like two third downs, huge third downs in the game, there are throwing the ball to Juju when he hasn't really been effective so far this season. And I'm starting to get 
a little bit. I know I keep saying I'm starting to get worried about guys, but I'm starting to get worried about Juju because this is a guy that you identified in the offseason. You paid him rather than paying Jacoby Myers. And I totally understood the idea more of a playmaker after the catch. But what we're seeing so far from Juju is not really much of anything. And I just wonder, you know, he had a slow start. He's been dealing with this knee situation. In the first game, he wasn't on the field for the final two-minute drive, which kind of tells you where the team thinks he is right now in terms of the pass-catching pecking order right now. And I'm starting to think back and to Nelson Aguilar, where they signed Nelson Aguilar, the Patriots did, James, for a big contract, right? At the time, it was like the highest paid receiver in the history of the Patriots. You didn't get much production from him. And I'm just, and I look, we're three games into the season and all that. But right now, when I look at the Patriots weapons right now, I do kind of feel like he's way down, not just like based on how he's played. But if you just watch the game, it's like, okay, I'd rather have Douglas out there. At least Parker can do things down the field. A little bit. And then you start to think about some of the other guys they have. I, I like Bourne more than I like Juju Smith-Schuster. So I am starting to get just a little bit worried about, are they going to get something from the guy that they spent money on in the offseason? Yeah, for me, I think he, he must be still trying to get back full speed from the knee injury or, you know, whatever it was. Like you said, the first game, he didn't really play too much. I know he started today, but, you know, it wasn't ultra productive. And he isn't on the field, you know, as much as what you probably would expect for you know, a guy making as much money as what he's making. They thought they pay him to be on the field, you know, as much as possible. Being that that slot receiver, that catch and run guy, you know, catching those, you know, check downs, whatever, five yard passes and, you know, making big plays out of that because that's what he's really good at. I mean, they went to him in two crucial situations. I know in the first one, I thought he had a step on the, you know, on the corner. I think Mac was thinking back shoulder while he was thinking, you know, more over the shoulder, deep down the field pass, which he, I thought he probably – you know, had the right idea there. I thought Mac made a, a poor throw on that one. But the second one, I just thought they weren't on the same page. I thought the Jets did a great job. Good communication there in man coverage. They passed it off, which is a tough, tough play to make it offensively. They play it well, but I said they weren't quite on the same page on that too. So definitely looking to see more from him. Um, like I said, I feel like it's somewhat of a health issue, but I feel like as the year goes on, I think the chemistry between him and Mac isn't quite there yet. I think the guys who he has the most chemistry with is Obviously, Kendrick Bourne, he's starting to build it with Kaseki, you know, with um, Hunter Henry and Devontae Parker. Those are the guys who he has the most, you know, chemistry with on the offense. So I feel like that's where the ball is going to end up going the most. But he does throw the ball a lot to to Pop Douglas. And I, when I went out to minicamp, at that point, he was already, you know, talking about how, how he believed in Pop Douglas at that point, how he liked what he saw from him, which he's a guy, he's like one of those spark players. You put him in there, you got him on punt return. He's obviously a guy who they believe is good with the ball in his hand. So, I think we'll be seeing a lot more of him, but I think we definitely need to see a lot more of Juju too. He's a talented kid. He's got to find a way to get him the ball. Yeah, I hope they get him going because they're desperate for any sort of playmaker to emerge from that group. As you said, he has chemistry with Kendrick Bourne. Bourne had the great first game of the season, and then he's not kind of been the same guy since. I'm not saying it's on Kendrick Bourne. I'm just saying they haven't had that reliable guy like at the top of the pecking order for this team. The other thing that jumped out to me, you mentioned Zeke. He was great in that series in the second half where it was like six consecutive runs for him and he was just it looked like Dallas I'm like okay this yeah. looks good and it kind of concerned me because you go to the final two series or two of the final three series of the game when they're trying to run out the clock it was actually Zeke on the field and not Ramondre which kind of stuck out to me because Ramondre this season Zeke today 16 480 that's five yards of pop Ramondre he really didn't get it going in terms of today he's 19 for 59 so what 3.1 on the series or on the season, he's south of three yards per carry. And last year, 
He didn't have a great offensive line, and he sort of created his own yardage. And this year, I don't know if it is one week he was dealing with a stomach bug. I felt like so often earlier on the season they tried to run the ball under center more today than they had been previously. Maybe that gets Ramondre going. But what have you seen from Ramondre? Any reason for concern? Because I feel like today Zeke looked like the superior back, and I didn't think I'd be saying that at any point in 2023. Well, I think the first couple weeks, the offensive line didn't do a great job blocking whatsoever in the run game. The run game was absolutely non-existent. No back could pretty much do anything at that point. I thought today, I I think Ramondre had some decent runs in there. Just how the the game goes sometimes. You have two talented backs. You get one guy in there. You know, he's getting two or three-yard gains. You put another guy in there. He's popping off six or seven-yard gains, and you kind of go with the guy who kind of has the hot hand. And I, mean, I feel like that's what it's going to be kind of throughout the year. They're both talented backs. There's going to be some games where Ramondre is going to have the hotter hand than Zeke, and he'll, he'll be out there a little bit more. But I think it's going to, you know, bode well for the team to have two guys kind of change the pace. They have two different running styles. Defense kind of have to prepare for both guys. So I said, I don't think it's, you know, kind of one above the other. I know Ramondre is going to be the feature guy, but if one guy has the hot hand, that's just the way it goes as being a running back. You just have to kind of take it on the chin. It's like, okay, like this guy, every time he touches the ball today, he's getting, you know, five or six yards. It's hard for them to bring him down. That's why Zeke's out there, you know, one of those final positions. He's he's really leaning to the defense. So you got to keep the guy going because, you know, some some backs, the more you feed it to them, the better they get. And Zeke, he's been one of those guys throughout his career. I know, you know, the last couple of years haven't been the greatest, but he's still, you know, been either at 1,000 yards or right underneath it the, these past couple of seasons. So he's still – it has a lot of juice, still has a lot of talent. I said, those two backs, I think they're going to be very important for this offense because obviously the first few weeks they did a great job throwing the football. The running game wasn't there. Just got to wait for one of those games where you know, both things are kind of going. And whenever that happens, I feel like this team could be really dangerous because uh, obviously I don't know if you, we all saw that Dolphins score where they did to, <laughs> to the Broncos today. So you're going to have to be able to score some points in this division. The Bills, you know, won like 37 to 3, whatever. So – it's going to be tough. I mean, the Jets are not going to score too many points probably, although I thought, you know, Zach Wilson kind of took a little bit of a step forward. I know the last drive wasn't the greatest. He still held on to the ball there, but just wonder with him. I, I'm probably one of the few people that still have some belief that he could be somewhat of a, a decent quarterback just because, <laughs> like, if you can – I'm the believer in that saying, like, if you do it once, you can do it every time. Like, he just has to, whatever, lock in, whatever it is to find a way because he's zipping the ball in the cover too. Like, some, some quarterbacks have been in the league – for like 10 years, don't even, not even be able to make that throw that he made. So if you're willing to take that risk right there, why can't you just get the ball out, check it down when, you know, <laughs> they're, getting, yeah. they're dropping out. So it's, there's a lot of questions there on their side of things, but this offense is going to have to be able to score points. And I think it's best for them to be able to both be able to run the football and throw it at, you know, whatever, whatever the game plan is, whatever the week is, you have to lean into one of them, but it's going to be great when you can lean into both of them every single week. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear. Especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down your local wherever. 
and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Once again, we sit here on a Sunday, now a Monday, and we are rehashing and reliving yet another New England Patriot win over the New York Jets. Death, taxes, and Belichick, no matter what's going on with the Patriots, no matter who's playing quarterback, it could be Tom Brady, it could be Cam Newton, it could be Mac Jones. We know this, and shame on me for coming on Ring of Wise Guys. Shame on me for staying with Benigno on New York, New York, that the Jets were actually going to win this game. Because yours truly, Mr. Jastrzemski, missed out on the biggest point of emphasis in this ballgame. You know what I failed to realize? Zach Wilson is the quarterback of the New York Jets. Zach Wilson, who is going to go down as one of the worst top five selections in the history of the National Football League is going to go down with Ryan Leaf as quite possibly the worst quarterback ever selected with the number two pick. Yeah, all of that being said, all of that being on the record, I thought it was a good idea today to go and play the New York Jets plus two and a half at home against the New England Patriots. And my logic and my thought process I think was still pretty legitimate going into the game. My logic was that Jet defense is going to be the best unit in the game. New England's offense doesn't scare me a whole lot. New England doesn't have the sort of firepower that's going to keep me up at night. And if not now, then when for the New York Jets? Still waiting. Still waiting. Uh, We might be waiting till week 18. And who are we kidding? We'll be waiting into 2024 and this never-ending quest of dominance that the Patriots, who are not, and I think we can all acknowledge, these ain't your daddy's New England Patriots. These are not the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, Mike Vrabel, Willie McGinnis, Ty Law, New England Patriots. Patriots are going to be lucky to win nine games this season. And yet, they continue to own the Jets. Why? Well, for starters, look at that laundry list of quarterbacks that Bill Belichick's gone up against throughout this winning streak. But out of all the quarterbacks, outside of maybe Luke Falk, who had no business starting an NFL game, Zach Wilson, without question, is the worst of the bunch. If the Jets had B-minus level quarterback play, They win this game today. There were plays to be had. There were throws to be made. Tony Romo was all over it over the course of four quarters, and yet they weren't made. All you need to know about Wilson and his lack of football IQ and his lack of awareness and his lack of feel for being able to go and play the position 
is that this game is on the end of the ropes, right? It's fourth down and 10 late in the game. You know you need a first down in order to go and extend the game. And you got Zach Wilson throwing one-yard passes to Tyler Conklin, the tight end. What are we doing? I would be livid over that if Zach Wilson was in his rookie year, in his first start. Like, that shouldn't happen from an NFL quarterback, college quarterback, high school quarterback, period. We are seeing that from a guy who's now in his third year of starting games in the NFL. And this is why the whole hard knocks forgazy narrative, and that's exactly what it was, total forgazy narrative about this revitalization, this reclamation project of Zach. Oh, because because Aaron Rodgers is here. Oh, Aaron, Aaron is going to all of a sudden show Zach Wilson this is the next step. This is how you can be a quality, functional, starting quarterback in the league. Please. Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Zach Wilson is Zach Wilson. Simple as that. You could have Dan Fouts, Dan Marino, Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady. You give me a guy. They're not going to be able to teach this particular player how to play the position. He does not have it. And that frustration is boiling within the Jet locker room because you could sense it. Michael Carter snapping at a running back coach. Garrett Wilson, who we love him, super talented. He's an incredible, incredible playmaker. He was pouty and moody last year when Zach Wilson was the quarterback, and now you're seeing some of that behavior trickle down into this particular game. This is a Jet team that had all of this promise. They had all of these high hopes going into the year. Hard knocks. Aaron Rodgers. All of these primetime games. All of these heavily scrutinized games. And that this was going to be the year that it was going to be different. This was going to be the year where the Jets got to the postseason. They won in the postseason. They challenged for a division title. They go maybe and make a deep run in January. Like those dreams were being entertained as of about a month ago. And now you are maybe, unless you were living under a rock or just totally delusional after the Rodgers injury in week one, you're like coming to grips with the fact that the Jet offense with this quarterback is just simply not functional. I mean, when you got a quarterback who's barely completing 50% of his passes in this NFL and he's thrown for under 200 yards and can only put together one measly touchdown drive, I don't care how good the New England Patriot defense may be, Jets can't move the ball. I mean, the Jets are running an offense that would be ugly in 1975, yet alone in 2023. And do I think a lot of it, if not all of it, falls at the feet of this quarterback? Yeah, I, I, I do. I know that might be dumping on him. Some are going to say that's unfair. Some are going to say that's unreasonable. The Jets have enough to win. Their defense, yes, gave up a big play. You want to kill him for that? Be my guest. He gave up one touchdown drive. Let, let me remind you, this is the modern-day NFL. One touchdown drive. Lost the game. 
And if you're going to get on Joe Douglas, who has gotten a whole lot of accolades and a whole lot of praise, and I get it, the Jets situation was terrible. He goes and gets Sauce Gardner. People give him praise for that. Sure. He goes and gets Garrett Wilson. People give him praise for that. Nope. Brees Hall, Vera Tucker, like he's had some big-time draft picks. You could argue one of his major mistakes this year specifically is the unwillingness to go and cut bait on a quarterback who should have been put out to pasture. Now, I'm not saying that the Jets' title hopes, division hopes would be there with, you know, a different backup quarterback. I don't know, like Mike White is a perfect example who was on the Jets last year. But I know this. The Jets would be a better team. Mike White was throwing games for them. They would have given you more fight in Dallas last week and can make the argument they might have and should have won this game against the New England Patriots. Zach Wilson's not even good enough to be a legitimate backup in the NFL. And we have precedent, recent precedent, of a team that basically acknowledged that a first-round pick was a total dud. Look at what the San Francisco 49ers did this past offseason. And let's be honest about this. The Niners gave up a lot more in draft and trade capital and making a deal with the Miami Dolphins than the Jets did in just taking Wilson with the second pick in the draft because they stunk. The Niners drafted Trey Lance. They thought he was going to be the successor to Jimmy Garoppolo. They set it up last year who was going to be the guy who gets hurt and didn't really fit and didn't really perform in Kyle Shanahan's offense to the point where John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan said, you know what? Get him out of here. He's not even going to be our backup. Sam Darnold is going to be our backup. We're going with Brock Purdy. We're going with Sam Darnold. Yes, we drafted you, Trey Lance, third overall. It didn't work out. Good luck. We'll see you down the road. The Jets could have made a similar decision with Zach Wilson. Are they going to get much in return? No, they would have gotten pennies. But it would have signaled, hey, guess what? We're cutting our losses. Coming up next, Jason Goff from the Full Go will join you. He'll get you caught up on everything that's going on with the Bears right now. It is ugly in Chicago. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I don't even 
even know how to start this, to be honest with y'all. And I've told my production staff this. I don't like lying to the people. Anybody that tunes into the Full Go podcast on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, no, I give y'all exactly what's on my heart. And then I don't listen back to it because I'm hoping that my producers have taken care of me in a way that they will edit out all the things that might get me in trouble. And then I get phone calls the next day like, damn, you really said that, Jay? Well, yeah, I said that. And guess what? This week ain't going to be no different, y'all. Shout out to the local angle and our good people over at FanDuel TV, right? FanDuel Sportsbook. Of course, the full go is powered by FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, hey, the casual betting brothers had you locked down for your same game parlay. Shout out to the Chicago Bears for helping out the casual betting brothers, the syndicate that is known as the casual betting brothers right here on this pod. Let's get right to it. Let's get real, real, real. I knew the game was over the moment they showed Taylor Swift. And you want to know why I knew the football game was over the moment that they showed Taylor Swift? Because Travis Kelsey knew this was homecoming. I'm going to tell y'all something right now. We could talk about X's and O's and jump into the machinations of all the foolery, the schemes and the strategies. I'm going to tell y'all this right now. Anybody that's ever had a bike out there, all right? Any, any dude, any guy that's ever had a bike, Right when you when you ride your bike and you go to you know other basketball courts and you go to other football fields and you go to other sand lots to play, guess what you do when you know you got a patsy on the line? Guess what you do when you know you got food on the line? You invite your girl, you and and not even not even your longtime girl. You invite yo yo. And we just getting this started, girl. When Travis Kelsey invited Taylor Swift to this game, we hear football players talk about distractions and all those other things all the time. That man invited the biggest pop star uh, in the nah. world currently, in the world, to come sit in the suite next to his mama. Did you think he invited her for a loss? Did you think Do you think that Travis Kelsey was thinking, damn, I really think the Bears going to give us a tough one, and I don't want to look like a sucker in front of my new girl, because that's all we're about, right? It's the cake game. This, this is cake the cake game. game that you bring her to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The cake, exactly. The cake game. This is what you're supposed to do, right? Then you you say, hey, baby, hey, I got the sweet. And guess what? Mom says she's going to come through as well. Okay? So you sit right next to moms. Uh, Albert Breer will tweet that you're sitting next to Dennis Rodman because there's a black man with, uh, you know, blonde hair. So I, he must be Dennis Rodman, right? All that was going on. And before you knew it, it was 21 nothing. It was 21-0 Kansas City Chiefs before I could even blink. I'm going to tell you all another thing. I normally don't do certain things on Bears game days. Broke my whole routine today because I am a man of my word. I knew this would be an whooping. So guess what I did today? I went to church. And then after that, I went and watched the first quarter of the football game at a bar. And if y'all know me, y'all know I don't like watching Bears games around anybody. All right, I got to take in everything. Mm-mm, nah, y'all weren't going to do that to me this Sunday. And then I lock in. I get home right as the second quarter begins, right? I'm listening to the radio call. Another thing that I never, ever, ever do. I'm listening to the radio call. And then I get home to see the shellacking, the whooping that was taken by the Chicago Bears. And I'm going to say this right now, and I'm going to say it clearly. Nothing works. 
There is nothing a Bears fan can point to right now and say, I can hang my hat on that because that is the young player. That is the scheme. That is the unit. That is the coach. That is the uh, 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 that is the executive that I know is going to pull us out of this. There is nothing that works right now. They don't do anything well. Tell me what the Bears do well right now. Last year, the Bears were the best running team in the NFL, one of the best running teams in NFL history. And you might say, oh, it was all Justin Fields. Well, guess what? The only thing that worked last year, they they coached out of them. They coached out of them. The only thing that worked last year, and not only did they coach that out of them, they just stopped calling run plays. They stopped calling run plays. They went from last year being the, the the single wing offense, the triple option Bears, they went from that to saying to themselves, you know what, I think we can implement an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady-like, you know, Peyton Manning-like passing attack where we just put it up 35 times a game with the dude who's seen no success in the passing game because last year he got his all year long, right? Behind a porous offensive line. Hey, by the way, by the way, I want to see a show of hands for all the people last year who was telling me about losing and tanking and all this other foolishness about what it was going to get you. But guess what it got you? It got you DJ Moore, who is putting up Dez White numbers. It got you a number one wide receiver who when it's time for him to make a play, let's be, let's keep it funky. Hey, the only good throw, well, two good throws today by Justin Fields. The, the, the first one, come on, man. I, I, Tyler Scott, I know why you went down because <laughs> yeah, them dudes was getting ready to take your head off. And he actually he actually concussed his teammate trying to take your head off up the, up the sideline. But the other throw, come on. DJ Moore got to catch that ball. I know you. I know you weren't expecting it. Maybe on time. I know you didn't think he had enough, uh, you know, expectancy back there, and had enough life expectancy as a quarterback up there. Three seconds, and the ball still ain't out, and I ain't heard a whistle yet. Shit, let me let me look back and see if the ball is in the air. And guess what? It was, and he dropped it. I don't want to hear nothing. And then I hear the post game press conference, y'all. I wait around. I say, hey, fellas, you know, from here on out, let's listen to the post-game presses. Maybe we'll glean some things. Guess what What I gleaned? Matt Eberflus said that it's best for the Bears not to listen to the outside noise. The outside noise. All the noise coming from inside the goddamn house. The phone call is coming from in the house. Is the Allen Williams news outside noise? Is Justin Fields calling two press conferences outside noise? Is having to pat Chase Claypool on the back for making a couple of catches in a loss outside noise? What are we doing here, man? The Bears haven't won a football game in 11 months. In 11 months. Luke Getze is out here getting his ass fricasseed by every defensive coordinator he's gone up against this season. Since the Bears fired Lovey Smith with his 10-6 record, it has been trash since. And Matt Nagy, who was on the opposite sideline today, is out here playing with his food. Oh, yeah, I got Patrick Mahomes back here. <laughs> I got Travis Kelsey against my former team. I got Isaiah Ferdy Pacheco out here. Huh? I got Jared McKinnon out here looking like Marshall Falk. Let's ball. Before you know it, it's 41 to nothing. I don't want to hear anything. This is a complete failure from top to bottom. Ain't nothing changed from last week. Nothing. Tremaine Edmonds, hey, man, <laughs> you got paid Roquan Smith money. 
TJ Edwards, hey, Tyreek Stevenson exited that game because TJ Edwards took a bad angle, a bad angle on Isaiah Pacheco, and then he made it down to the goal line, put his head down. All of a sudden, your cornerback got to mess around and get his physical as nobody on the front seven is willing to get. Nothing works. And if something, and like I said, what was the title of last week's pod or last pod? Prove me wrong. If something works, tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. Justin Fields looks worse than he's ever looked. The run game that you thought you could count on last year that you kind of drafted for and also acquired in free agency for, right? Deontay Foreman and Roshan Johnson. Well, guess what? Roshan Johnson, how many how many carries did Roshan Johnson get today in a game that they got out of hand really quick because they love doing that to you, by the way. Well, you know, game plan. Game got out of hand really quick. Well, guess what? It didn't get out of hand against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers too soon, and it didn't get out of hand against the Green Bay Packers too soon. So what were the excuses there? This is a piss poor outfit right now and is the laughing stock of the rest of the National Football League right now. I came into this year thinking that the Arizona Cardinals had the worst situation in football. They have a plateauing $200 million quarterback in Kyler Murray who's going to miss an entire year. And guess what? The Bears said, hold up, yo. Hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> we have something to say about that. Tell me what works. Tell me, tell me where I'm going to sit back and say to myself, you know what? They got this to build on. This would be okay. Nothing. There is nothing right now. And it ain't some, oh, woe is me. It's not hyperbolic. None of that. They are, as we sit here currently on Sunday night at 8, 10 p.m. as we are taping, they are a three-point underdog against a team that just gave up 70 points. They are a three-point underdog who just lost an NFL football game by 50. They lost that game to the you didn't even, even dare to interview in Mike McDaniel. Because guess what you were busy doing? Interviewing and getting ready to hire a man who runs the most obsolete and antiquated defense in the uh, NFL yeah. right now in the cover two. If you ain't got go-getters on that defensive line, if you don't have a middle linebacker that can just fall back and play all kinds of coverages and take up space to deny throws, <laughs> to get tip balls. Because the, the interception by Justin, it was a great play by that linebacker. Don't get it twisted. Justin had a bad game. I know all y'all out there, you know, I know Oakley Twitter out there is very, very, um, you know, uh, there is a referendum every pass for Justin Fields. Well, uh, he's, he's bad. Yes, he is bad. Cool. Like I keep telling y'all, we moving furniture, talking about Justin Fields at this point. But back to the cover two defense that's getting shredded out here. You lose three corners. Yeah, it's tough. Tough to play. Tough to play. No Kyler Gordon, right? Johnson goes down this game. Tyreek Stevenson goes down this game. Guess what? It really doesn't matter. You can have all pro corners back there. If they got a cover for four and a half, five seconds, that is getting cooked too. Y'all can check us out Sundays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, wherever some nonsense go down. We'll have an emergency pod for you. This is the full go. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed my angst and my and my and my frustration. Uh, we have a good time on this pod. Uh, I'll probably be making fun of them in the separate segments after this, but appreciate y'all for hanging out with us. Appreciate the local angle as always. Make sure you keep hollering at us on FanDuel TV. Coming up next, Ben Solak and Chio Kapadia from the Philly Special will preview a big Monday night football game as the Eagles take on the Bucks. 
This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. It's the local angle on FanDuel TV. Shield Kapadia with Ben Solak from the Ringers. Philly special, Eagles, Bucks, Monday night football. Benjamin Eagles are 2-0. I think the fan base is like, all right, it's good to be 2-0, but we thought some aspects of this team were going to be a little bit better at this point in the season. Let's start with the Eagles offense against the Bucks defense. What are you looking for specifically uh, in this matchup with Jalen Hurts, with the run game, with everything? Sure, like the uh, passing game to be successful for a game, wouldn't you? <laughs> It'd be nice nice to get a, uh, a a week where it feels like the passing game is under control. Uh, Jalen Hurts, one of the lowest quarterbacks in the league right now by success rate. Shield, I think you had his third lowest in the league. Uh, last, below, 32nd last, right now. Right, yeah. below Zach Wilson, below Josh Dobbs, below a lot of players. The last season he was lapping. This Buccaneers defense is no slouch either, right? It's been a, a, a Bill Belichick in week one. It was Brian Flores in week two. And now here we are in week three against Todd Bowles. Uh, Bowles was a tough draw for Jalen Hurts a couple seasons ago because of the blitz-heavy approach. Jalen Hurts since the beginning of last season, 24th among league quarterbacks in success rate against the blitz. And so he's going to get pressured up again. He's going to get a lot of zone droppers again, like he got week two against against the Vikings. And the Eagles' solution to that was just hand the football off and, and try to dominate in the running game. They were successful against Minnesota. It's harder uh, uh, against Tampa Bay where Vita Vea, the nose tackle in the middle, is, is such a dominant, such an impressive player. And so you, you're going to have to pass it a little bit more into those looks. And it's going to be important for Hertz to show that he's ready for them. He understands where to go with the ball, has to check it down a little bit more, has to be a little bit more controlled and, and, and measured. And he's shown that he can do that, just not this season. It'd be nice to see. Yeah, the first two weeks you get Bill Belichick and then Brian Flores. You play two times in five days. Well, now you got this mini buy. I mean, they played Thursday night football. Now it's Monday night football. You have a chance to kind of catch your breath a little bit, say, all right, what are these defenses doing to us? Why does our passing game look so bad? Again, 32nd in success rate for a guy who was the you know runner-up for MVP last year, a guy I thought had a great training camp and, and was ready to make a big leap. So that's been surprising uh, ben, this is I, I, we, we were talking about other games this week, and this is one of those where I think we're actually going to learn something in week three. Like if the Eagles passing game cannot be more efficient against Tampa, even though, like you said, Tampa has a good defense. Uh, they've got a veteran defensive coordinator in Todd Bowles. But if the passing game lacks that rhythm uh, that we saw really for most of last season, my concern level is going to go up with this Eagles team because if you can't, if you have three weeks in a row and you say, shoot, something is wrong with the passing game, you might still be 3-0. I mean, they have the run game, they've got the O-line, they've got the defense, but when you're talking about Eagles expectations for 2023, it's not like, hey... 11, you know, 11 and six and losing the divisional round. No, no, no. You talk to any Eagles fan. This is about right. getting back to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see uh, what this passing game looks like. And like you mentioned, they pushed around the Vikings in week two on the ground. In week one, like the Patriots front was pretty formidable against them uh, and their run game. And so now you have a Bucks front and a Bucks defense with a lot of talented players. Um, will be interesting to see what we see there. All right. The other side of the ball, you've got the Eagles defense, which I would argue, Ben, statistically and film-wise, they're telling me two different stories. The stats are not good on, on the Eagles defense right now. They're bottom five 
in success rate, but I watch them on film and I can easily tell myself a story that they're working through stuff with a new scheme, with new defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, with some injuries and they're trying different things. They're being creative. Like I kind of like what I see on film, even if it's not always working. Uh, What have you seen so far and how do you think this Eagles defense matches up against Baker Mayfield and that Bucks offense? I agree with you that I think the Eagles defense is better on film and is doing the things that the good defenses typically do, even if statistically it's not uh, uh, really manifested just yet. Obviously, uh, a lot of their issues in the first two weeks of the season have come as a result of injury, right? Uh, They have uh, Reed Blankenship out for the second game. They're starting free safety. They have Avante Maddox leave that game. They have to put a a rookie, an inexperienced player, Mario Goodrich, out there at nickel. They have James Bradbury in the concussion protocol. They have to put Josh Job, another inexperienced player, out there at outside corner. They are hoping to get Bradbury back. Maddox, that's not going to happen. Maddox is going to be out for a uh, long term. So they have uh, a lot of uncertainty in youth at in the secondary where they were already expecting to have that. Oh, and N'Kobe Dean, who was going to be their starting linebacker, is also gone. And now they have to put Zach Cunningham out there and they have to uh, 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 get some Christian Ellis snaps. And now it's, it's, it's a bit of a mess for the Eagles in that back seven in terms of their health, right? So I think that's a big part of why they haven't looked super great through the first two weeks. I think they're going to steady out and be better when they can have the same players back there week over week. But this defense is, is, was built by Harry Roseman to win with the front, and that's where they're going to continue to win. The Bucks have a young offensive line and improving offensive line. There's stuff to like with their offensive line, but the reality is that like you know they're, they're, they're playing Cody Mock at guard, like a rookie. He's eminently gettable, right? They have Luka Decky on the line. He's a beatable player, and the Eagles are so good at defensive tackle that you expect them to be able to dominate up front. Uh, and in doing so, put pressure on Baker Mayfield, generate turnovers, which they've done so extremely well, so successfully through the first two weeks of the season and get the stops that you need for the offense to finish the job. Like the Eagles defense is not really a dominate you for four quarters, win the game for you defense right now. Like they're, they're, they're they kind of look like that at times because of the turnovers, but on a drive to drive basis, they're going to give up some yardage. They're going to give up some points, but when they get those sacks, when they get those turnovers, it's enough stops that the offense finishes the job for them. And so Defense right now, I'm like, I'm fine with the way they performed. I think they match up well against this Bucks offensive line. The, if the turnovers start to vanish, and, and Baker Mayfield has played mistake-free football through two weeks, which is a, a bit of a surprise. If the turnovers vanish, now like the offense really has to pick up the slack, and I'm not sure the offense is ready for that. And that's how this game might get a little squirrely. Yeah, you mentioned the, the loss of Avante Maddox, the Eagles slot corner. That's a big area to watch in this game. We don't know exactly how the Eagles are going to replace Avante Maddox. Like Ben mentioned, They had this guy, Mario Goodrich, who kind of barely made the roster in training camp. Well, he stepped in for Maddox when Maddox went out, and he got picked on quite a bit in that Vikings game. The Vikings moved Justin Jefferson to the slot, and Goodrich was getting exposed a little bit. Now, that's a hard spot for a young player to all of a sudden be thrown into a game, and Justin Jefferson's (laughs) lining up across from you. We'll see if they stick with Goodrich. Another thing to keep an eye on, James Bradbury, the veteran corner, he got reps at slot corner in the summer uh, for the Eagles. And it was like, well, are they just doing this for specific matchups? Mm-hmm. Are they doing this in case of injury? I would make the argument that Josh Job, the corner who played on the outside for Bradbury uh, last week, played pretty well. He gave up a long touchdown, but I thought if you watched it snap after snap, yeah, I, I thought he played well. So if this is a situation where they say, no, let's just get our three best corners on the field, maybe you see Josh Job, Darius Slay, and James Bradbury with Bradbury maybe playing the slot in this game. So that's something to keep an eye on the Bucks 
Chris Godwin, typically known as a slot receiver, I think he had over 600 yards from the slot uh, last season. This year, he's actually been lining up more uh, on the outside. Now, when you're playing the Eagles, it's probably smart to move some of your best wide receivers inside. So we'll see uh, if Tampa Bay does that. And then up front, you nailed it. I think most weeks when we talk about is the Eagles defense going to be up to the challenge, it's going to be, is their defensive line going to dominate? And maybe the biggest development, one of the biggest developments for me this year has been Jordan Davis, second year player, uh, has been fantastic through two games after to me being underwhelming in his first year. So yeah, I think Baker Mayfield has only been sacked once through two games, which is like Wait, I had to check that like three times. This cannot be right. That That's what it is. So uh, their pass rush has to get after them uh, a little bit, force them into negative plays, and I think they'll be okay. All right, Ben, as we record this, the Eagles are four-and-a-half-point favorites on FanDuel. That line has come down a little bit from where it was earlier in the week. Uh, who do you like there? What do you have for a final score, final prediction for this game? Yeah, I think that line is appropriately priced. It's tough to, to come up on a side for. I do think the Eagles should be small favorites against the Buccaneers. I would be surprised if they have a dominant performance, right? Like the Eagles were on lines last year. They'd be like, oh, six and a half point favorite, five and a half point favorite, and they win by like 14, 17. I don't think this team has got that in them just yet. Uh, I do think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a messy game too. Uh, like I said, the Eagles are very turnover oriented defense through two weeks. Bucks have been a pretty mistake-free offense through two weeks. Something's got to give. I'm betting on Baker Mayfield giving. That's 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 the side that I think uh, uh, is a little bit more tenuous. But we'll see. Like you know, it's um uh, turnovers are, are are a tricky thing, and that's what makes this game I think really hard to to handicap. Uh, the matchup for me that I think gives this in the Eagles' direction, and if I had to pick a side on the spread, I think I'm still taking Eagles minus four and a half. Uh, is the matchup with corner two Jamel Dean against whoever you get Devontae Smith or AJ Brown? Uh, the Bucks have historically ran with a really nice corner duo in Carlton Davis, who's been banged up in practice this week, but should play, uh, and Jamel Dean. Through two weeks of the season, Jamel Dean's having a rough go of it. Uh, I don't know if he's if he's not fully healthy, a bad offseason, whatever it was. I don't really have an explanation there. But he's been picked on pretty substantially, and 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 he's struggling to play. The Eagles are always a, uh, uh, you know, kind of find your matchup sky. Like, where are they not good? Because they have two really great receivers and a great receiving tight end. And I think that you're going to see them go after Dean a little bit. The, the the thing to watch in this game is just that the passing offense has to work, right? And I think for the second consecutive week, we're going to have a game in which the Eagles are trying to get a pass catcher activated, right? Week one into week two is Dallas Goddard. Week two and week three, it'll be A.J. Brown because yeah. A.J. Brown didn't have the most fun playing the Vikings this week, uh, this past <laughs> week. And so I think you're going to see A.J. Brown. Uh, they're going to try to get him on Dean on the left side of the offense, uh, and they're going to try to win that matchup consistently. I think that there's enough juice there, enough uh, enough juice in the pass game that you see the Eagles win this. I think it's like a right, like a 24 to 17, 23 to 17 sort of a game. Uh, like I said, I think four and a half is about correct for the line. My lock of the week is AJ Brown gets two targets, at least on the first possession. Uh, he yes, was sir. not happy last week against the Vikings. I think he's someone you have to get involved early so that he does kind of the little things throughout the game. And so I think uh, they're going to do that. I think they're going to solve some problems offensively. They just Jalen Hurts has been a problem solver throughout his career where it's like, all right, he goes through these stretches. He figures it out. He's a very, he's a cerebral player. I think they've got the coaching staff. I think they'll say, all right, here's what Tampa might do to us. We've had time to look at the film. Here's what our answers are going to be. And they still have the talent. I mean, they're healthy on the offensive line. AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, those guys are all still healthy. So while I think it's a formidable Tampa defense, I think the Eagles passing offense 
will play better. And then defensively, I just can't get there with the Bucks offense through two weeks. I mean, this is the law of small sample sizes. No one wanted Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is on his fourth team in what? Two seasons. I, I refuse to believe that all of a sudden he's going to be, you know, like a top half of the league type quarterback. So I, I look at this Eagles defensive line. Uh, it might not be that they stop them the entire game, but I think they're going to be able to force enough negative plays, whether it's sacks, whether it's turnover. So uh, we didn't share our scores with each other, Ben, before we, we did this segment, but mine's almost exactly the same as yours. I've got Eagles 24 Buck 16. I actually like the Eagles quite a bit in this game to cover uh, that four and a half. Uh, I think they're they're going to win this game, cover that number, and win by at least a touchdown. That'll do it for the week three edition of the Local Angle here on FanDuel TV. You can catch us every week at 9 a.m. Eastern time, and you can listen to all the Local Ringer podcasts on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.